0: Hi, this is Roy Worley. Welcome to the interview show that brings on guests from all walks of life. Yeah, it's here that they tell their stories and delve a little deeper into their lives to see what got them where they are. So grab a drink, have a seat, and
1: relax because this is The Leo Effects. When was the last time a short movie shook your emotions to the core? When was the last time a short movie caused you to rethink everything you stood for? When was the last time a short movie made you proud to be an American? When was the last time you felt the emotion to stand up and cheer after a short movie? The new short movie, I've Got Your Six, written and directed by Bill Foster, one of the industry's newest and fastest climbing directors, will answer all of those questions. Rarely has there been so much packed into a short movie that when you leave, you'll feel more proud of our American military veterans. A movie that was cast only with American military veterans will have you on the edge of your seat cheering for our veterans and what makes America great. I've Got Your Six will be hitting the film festival scene soon. Be prepared to drop what you're doing and go see this powerful movie when it comes to your area. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of The Leo Effects. I am your host, Ray Rumsey, and joining me today is a man who wears multiple hats. Um, we've had a few on before that are like that, but not with what he does. I'm actually very, very excited to have him here. I would like to introduce to you Mr. Sean Pratt. How
0: are you, sir? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's great to have you here. i you know, we have a, a mutual friend in uh, Roy Worley, so that's that's kind of how this whole thing got started. So, you know, kind of a shameless plug here a little bit. If, if the <laughs> listeners haven't checked that one out, go back and listen to that episode. But we're not here to talk about Roy. We're here to talk about Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the best thing to do is start with my usual question and I just go ahead and ask you, what is it that you do?
0: Um, well, broadly speaking, I'm a performer and a teacher. More specifically, uh, now I narrate audiobooks for a living, and I teach audiobook narration and also how to do it for a living. Mm. And, uh, those are the two main things I do now, although I've been in show business my entire life. Oh, okay.
1: It, you said you, you've been in show business your whole life. where Where did that all start
0: for you? So I grew up in Oklahoma City and in Moore, Oklahoma, just south, south of the city, and went to school down here, and I started acting in school when I was around 10, and then soon after I started working with the local theater groups in town and in the city, and um, that's what, as soon as I started doing it, I realized that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a theater actor, too. I didn't really, wasn't really interested in being a movie, doing movies and TV. I liked the theater. I was this uh, awkward, chubby uh, kid with a big noggin and lots of red hair, and um, and theater was a place where I could I was accepted uh, for what I could do, and I found I had an act for it, and uh, so I started doing plays here in Oklahoma City, and went off to college in Santa Fe, New Mexico, to get my acting degree, and by the time I graduated, I was working professionally in. Uh, doing some uh, lots of movies in the area, and Shakespeare. That was the thing I wanted to be, was a Shakespearean actor, was classical theater. Oh, And so so I grew my hair out, so, you know, westerns and Shakespeare, they go together if you got long hair. Right. And um, so uh, after I graduated college, I hung around Santa Fe for a few years doing lots of westerns in Arizona and New Mexico and Texas, and then I moved off to New York City to work classical theater off-Broadway and regional theaters around the country. And did that for quite a long time, into my mid-30s. And then by that time, I'd relocated to Washington, D.C., and gotten into audiobooks sort of by accident. And then I uh, got married and had a family, and now my kids are grown, and I'm still doing audiobooks. And, uh, and now I also teach. I, teach. I teach other people who want to be audiobook narrators, uh, audiobook technique, and also how to, uh, how to actually make a living doing it.
1: Wow. So you teach people how to actually speak what they read and not sound like they're reading
0: yeah it's a real te- it is a technique you know i get sometimes I get razzed by my friends who like, well, I read to my kids you know at night when they go to bed, and it's not much harder than that, is it I'm like, oh it's so much harder yeah they're reading to their children, and what i'm doing is performing the material, and it takes a it's a higher level of being able to it's like a, the way I, I liken it is for those of your listeners who say play an instrument and read music. When you first start playing it and reading music, you know you're going either you're banging on the the piano or the guitar or whatever, you know, playing chord by chord, really clunky, right? But you're reading the music, and then over time it begins to smooth out. And if you keep pursuing that, like my friends who are professional musicians, you get to a level through practice hours and hours and hours of practice where you can begin to – you actually read the music slightly ahead of what you're playing. Well, that actually happens for a narrator. You get to a level of performance where I read slightly ahead of what I'm doing, and you open up a little gap of time between what you read and before you speak it. And in that little gap of time, you're reacting to the text in real time, so you're performing it. you really – it sounds as if it's coming off the top of your head, and that's, it's a skill. It's a technique. It's not a talent. But it takes a lot of practice to get there. And so my goal and what I do in my performance when I'm narrating and what I teach my students is that's what we're going for. So the, the shorthand term I use is, because mainly I narrate nonfiction, hmm. is it sounds like you're giving a TED Talk. I got you. you. Know, so, the text on the, yeah, so the text on the page, I, I tell them, pretend that's the, the lines in your play, your one-man one man or one-person show. The, you know that's the line, like to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is, so you're reading the text at that rate, so it sounds conversational. Gotcha. And so that's the goal in the performance. Yeah, it's it's a high level of performance, but it's it's no different than anybody who studies anything for a long time. If you were a carpenter, or someone who makes quilts, or you're, uh, you know, you you do it so for so long, you develop that level of of uh, expertise in that thing. And it just sort of happens when you do it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of carpentry, we just actually talked about that a little bit before we started recording. (laughs) Uh, Yes. We call that a segue. Um, (laughs) There we go. Smooth, Uh, smooth. (laughs) So you were, you said you were a carpenter before
0: you got into all this, yeah? Yes. So um, my father was a, a fireman here in Oklahoma City, and we had a family house painting business on the side and when my brother and I got old enough we began to work with my dad and the crew painting houses and then that led into learning basic carpentry and then uh, I learned you know, how to read schematics and how to handle power tools and and so on and that led to me being a house framer when I was in college that's how I made money in the summers and then when I was in school I would build sets and so on so and then I studied. I, I apprenticed as a uh, under a cabinet maker for a while in Santa Fe, and so I really I enjoyed it because I get, got to work. It was a totally different way of using my, you know, in the theater it's all about memorizing lines and wearing costumes and practicing stuff. Mm-hmm. And when the play was done, they tore the set down. That was it. But when I was a carpenter, for me, you know, I could build a house and say, Hey, I helped build that house. I helped paint that room. I helped make that fence or whatever. And I liked that sense of uh, permanency even though of course it's not totally permanent but it i made something that was going to last for a while and i enjoyed that and i also enjoyed the challenge of figuring out the puzzle of creating something from a drawing and so uh, i did that and then when i went off to new york to start my acting career there i would build sets at the like the new york public theater or i would build or with contractors you know doing uh, apartment remodels and so on so right. that's how i made my living in between gigs well how <laughs> and
1: speaking of how many gigs you, you've done, quote unquote, um, <laughs> so you, you've been doing audio narration for what, the better part of 20 years, right?
0: Almost 25 now. Almost yeah. 25. Almost 25.
1: And so, from the information I was able to ascertain, <laughs> meaning the stuff you sent me, <laughs> you have over a thousand books yes under your belt that is absolutely yeah. incredible
0: yeah i sort of uh it sort of m- still boggles my mind as well i um i was very lucky when i i was in the right place at the right time i had uh, back in 1994 i came down to washington dc to do a play at the shakespeare theater in washington dc and i met an actor there who narrated audiobooks and we we got to know each other and he said well if you ever moved down to this area Give me a call, and I can introduce you to some people if, if you're interested. And at the time, I really wasn't. I mean, I was working pretty consistently by that time doing regional theater and working off-Broadway doing classics. But, two years, but, but about two years later, I'd met uh, my girlfriend at the time, and I moved down to Washington, D.C. to be with her. And I was sort of getting tired of doing theater. I'd been doing it for, you know, by that time I was, gosh, 30 about 30 years old. And I'd been, so I'd been acting in the theater for 20 years already. Wow. And I was sort of getting, and I'd been a repertory theater actor for the last five or 10 years where, you know, you rehearse the next show of the season during the day and you perform the, se- the show that's up at night. And you wow. do that six days a week for months and months on end. So I might work with the company. Uh, I was with the Pearl Theater off Broadway. We did that kind of sh- schedule there. Or I'd get hired to go work say at you know the kansas city rep or the chicago shakespeare theater or whatever and you would locate and you'd stay for several months and it was that kind of schedule all the time and after it was fun when i was in my 20s but after a while it starts to wear you out it's just physically exhausting and i wanted to do something different and i remembered that phone call uh that conversation i had with him Mm -hmm. david hilder was his name he's a playwright in new york now and he uh Introduced me to some people, and I they helped me cut a demo, and one thing led to another, and suddenly my first two clients were books on tape and blackstone audio, and I was off and running. Wow! And, uh, yeah, well, it was a totally different universe back then. It wasn't nearly as big as it was now. Well, not a lot of people knew about it in a way. Right, right. And and so, and then soon after that, so by the by the end, you know, by the time two thousand rolled around. I was doing 50, 60 books a year, um, just cranking them out. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and it was nice, because by that time I had you know, got married and was having a family, And, um, and it was great to stay you know, I could stay at home, work in my pajamas and um, do you know I'd still do TV and film, but that stuff just a few days here and there, and mainly it became books, and I really, really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun.
1: That's awesome. And then over
0: the years, yeah, you do that many books every year, eventually you're going to hit that number. Right. It's a very exclusive club. There's only a handful of us, you know, up there in that number. Jeez. uh, Yeah. And you had said,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you said a little bit ago that um, you enjoyed fiction. Um, Yes. Is that kind of exclusively what you do, or have you tried, uh, do you do other stuff as well?
0: Oh no no no! Well, I, well when I started, um, it was fiction because that's all I knew. I, you know, you know, you do a lot of. I did westerns and science fiction and murder mysteries and whatever they threw at me. Okay. I learned. I, I realized very quickly when I started working for Blackstone and for Books on Tape, I realized that I the only way I was going to get better was by doing as much of this as I could, as quickly as I could. Mm. And so. I called them up and I said, Listen, I'll narrate anything that, I mean, please send me whatever you've got, but just know that I'll narrate anything that nobody else wants. Because there were a lot of B and C list titles they had, because there was no, this was all a new market. They were buying lots of different titles. And so I would do like a B list, you know, murder mystery series. And then I got another client out of Albuquerque, New Mexico that did tons of fiction work. But I kept nagging them. I was like, Just send me stuff, just keep me busy. And then one day, Toward I don't know, it was like 1998, 99. Uh, Books on Tape sent me a five-volume history of the state of California. It was my very first nonfiction piece. It was each book clocked in at about 30 hours. It was 150 <sighs> hours for the project.
1: largest wow. thing i would ever done.
0: But fortunately for me, they were very well written. They were wonderfully well written. And the, the author, who was the state librarian, was very generous with his time and helping with the research and so on. And what I realized was for me having done, I did a lot of fiction and I was getting a little tired of it because it wasn't a list material and you're like, Oh look, the Butler did it again, you know, <laughs> again. <laughs> so again, yeah. And so, so the nonfiction and then I, of course it sort of dawned on me and i never put the two and two together until that moment with that, that history of California that personally as a reader, I've always preferred nonfiction just to read as a kid. I, I would always, much, I would much rather read a book about how they built the pyramids than mummies chasing people around the pyramids.
1: Okay, that's I'm fair. A
0: very, I'm a very, yeah, I like to learn things. I'm a very curious person, and so after that series, I went back to both of, both of my clients and I said, "Can I have more of this nonfiction stuff?" They also because it was more difficult. The what I teach my students is, you know, anytime we use a a product or a service, we as a consumer we have a little yardstick that we measure and decide did that thing perform as advertised you know did Mm -hmm. your computer log onto the internet did your car drive safely did your new glasses have the right prescription and the for me the the metric that we as listeners of audiobooks is pretty simple it's was the audiobook listening experience entertaining Right. Mm-hmm. Now, your definition of entertaining and mine can be different. But I think when you listen to an audio book and I do, we both want to sit back and let the narrator sort of take us by the hand and lead us on a journey and just sit back and enjoy it. Right. And and fiction is designed to be entertaining. I mean, a piece of written fiction is uh, is also designed to be entertaining. But a piece of nonfiction, whether or not it's entertaining, sometimes is not on the author's radar screen. But as a narrator, I have to make it entertaining first or they won't listen to it. Right. Learn from it. And so by just that alone makes it more difficult to achieve the goal. Then you have things like the fact that we don't have funny voices and gunfights and zombies makes it more challenging to reach that goal of making it entertaining, whether it's a book on uh, Bitcoin or Wall Street investment or uh, how to get your kids through college or raising children or, you know, finding romance. I mean, these are all nonfiction things, self-help, business spirituality culture. I have to make those things entertaining for you, the listener. And that's not easy. And so just the fact that it was difficult, right. And so just the fact that it was difficult drew it to me as a performer. I'm like, well, how do you make that stuff entertaining? And that alone was like, you know what? I think I want to specialize in this. So now, easily for the last 10 years, I've pretty much done nothing but nonfiction. That's cool. Easily 500. Yeah, of the 1,000 books I've done. Easily half have been nonfiction, and pretty much I'm, I might do one or two fiction titles a year, but that's about it. Nice. Yeah. Do
1: you have any easy entry-level advice for somebody that might be thinking, you know what, I kind of want to try this out?
0: Oh, sure. Um, I would direct them, go to, go to YouTube and look me up, Sean Pratt, and I have a little video called So You Want to Be an Audiobook Narrator. And in it, I have this little test. I'll give you the short version. They can go watch the video. It's not very long. Basically, you need to set up a little space in your house, someplace confined, like a closet or an alcove or even facing into the corner of a room. So get a little table and chair, find a book, set it up on like a little music stand or a book stand or on your iPad, um, and basically read out loud as if you're performing for somebody Mm-hmm. for two to three hours a day,
1: okay. two, to three
0: hours. So like record, like put, narrate out loud for like 45 minutes and take a little break then come back and then do it again and come back and do it again. And if you, if you hit a word you don't know how to pronounce, stop, go look it up. You can't guess. And if you stumble on a sentence, stop, back up and start the sentence again. And if you can do that for two to three hours a day for two weeks straight every day, that will tell you faster than anything else whether or not you have the temperament to do this. And that's what I what I do, workshops, and I speak to different groups of actors. I tell them that it's more about temperament than talent to be a narrator. Do gotcha. so you have the temperament to sit by yourself in a little space, hour after hour, working your way through the material? Because there's nobody there with you. And if you don't have that kind of discipline, or you can't create it, and you don't have that kind of focus, and to be able to maintain it, and that stamina, You're, it, it doesn't matter how many funny voices you can do and entertain your friends. Because, you know, I have friends in Los Angeles who are in New York who are voiceover actors who do commercials and video games and cartoons. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't touch audiobooks with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> because the notion, you know, they were used to working for 30 minutes at a time or an hour and being yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. Quick, you know, one the notion done. of being in the – yes. The notion of you know doing say two or three hours in the morning and two or three hours in the afternoon and doing that every day as you work your way through a book, they're like they can't even imagine it. It's like running a marathon, really. Right. I can buy into that. So I would tell, I would say, yeah. So I would say, go to my YouTube channel, watch the video, but that's basically it. That's the test. If you can survive the test, that will tell you whether or not you really want to do this. It's funny too because in the comments section on the thing, I'll get people go. Thank you so much for this test, Sean. You've absolutely convinced me that I never ever want to do this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm (laughs) going to have to go check that out. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in that moment, though, I feel like as a teacher, I've done my job. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, I've saved. Yeah, I have. I've saved them a lot of money and time at heartache. Right. And I think that's a good thing. You know, it's better to know now because you can do the test without any recording equipment. You know, you don't have to spend a dime. You're just going to spend your time. Perfect. And that's what I say. Yeah. So give it a try and see if you can pass the test.
1: That's some great advice. I like it.
0: (laughs) So we haven't really touched
1: on it yet, and I I definitely want to before we run out of time. We've been talking all this time about how you read the audiobooks and how you you recorded them and everything, but you have a book out yourself. Yes. And so I'd like to talk about that book a little bit. Okay. Okay. What would you so, like to know? So first off, uh, the name of it is To Be or Want to Be, the top ten differences between a successful actor and a starving artist. Correct? Yeah, yes. Yes. Perfect. And what on earth is that mouthful of a title about? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, could,
0: <laughs> I wish I could have honed that down, but it didn't quite work out when I finally put it to print. Um, before I started teaching audio to, uh, I used to do career coaching for actors and teaching the business of show business at colleges and universities in the mid-Atlantic region around Washington, D.C., and also back at my alma mater at uh, Santa Fe, mm-hmm. the College of Santa Fe. And Because, because what I learned was that I, in, my, in my, the arc of my career, I've known so many really talented people who've left because they couldn't or they wouldn't learn the business side of show business that's oh. what tripped them up. And so I would teach classes about the business of being an actor. So contracts and resumes and agents and pictures and auditioning and things like that. Because because no one taught... I mean, we in my school, they taught us a little bit about it, but not nearly enough. And so I was sort of on this crusade to try to spread the gospel of how to really do this for a living. And so what happened, the way the book came together was... Uh, I started doing more of this, this coaching and teaching, and a uh, woman who sort of took me under her wing as my mentor about being a teacher, she said, "Well, you have to be if you're going to be a, a teacher and a thought leader on your topic, you have to be willing to give a bit of your knowledge away to sh- prove your your credentials." And so this is, gosh, this is, geez, 15 years ago, I used to write for a website called Sweet101.com. And I would write articles on the business of show business. And really what I was doing was I was beginning to write the basics of that book. The bare bones of the idea began gotcha. to form. And so I came up with these ten different things that I felt were absolutely essential to being successful in show business. Uh, no matter what, you know, whether you want to do voiceover or film acting or theater. Um, so we talked about things like getting the right day job, um, money management. Time management, learning to um, uh, b- 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 behave like a CEO in a company. Mm, um, mm-hmm. You know, so I and the one the one topic that was never discussed was talent, because I don't believe that talent is the ultimate arbiter of your success. It's those other ten things. Okay. Because I've met I've met insanely talented people who failed. Oh wow! Um, but I've met people who, by their own admission, I have really good friends. Uh, who, in the industry who buy their own initiative like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm mediocre. <laughs> I'm all right. But you know what they do? They're really good. They're really good at networking. They're hey. really good at time management. They have the right day job. They know how to handle their money. They know how to be charming. They know how to, you know, all the things that I discuss in my book, that's the, the, that's the key. And unfortunately, you know, there's, this, there's this misunderstanding for people who want to get into show business or acting in general, that somehow talent is the thing that will see you through, and it's not. It's, it's all those other ten things. And so I wanted to write a little primer on it. And what's been really satisfying, I mean, I wrote the book, gosh, ten years ago, I guess, um, is that I, I get comments all the time and emails from people who read it even veterans in the show like thank you so much for this book you made me remember stuff I've forgotten or you've, or you've taught me a lesson I didn't know I needed to learn wow and it's helped, it helped them refocus and so and that was the purpose of the book is to say look if you want to do this for real this is how you do it I make all my students uh, uh, well they actually listen to me I've, I've narrated it as an audio oh, wow. it. <laughs> <It's like laughs> book oh wow there you go so yeah but, but again and again, they come back and say, that was really helpful. That taught me a lot about what I need to really focus on. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it doesn't matter how many funny voices you can do in an audio book. If you don't know how to market yourself or how to network with charm or how to handle your money and save up and invest in the right things, you're going to go nowhere. It's just that straightforward, frankly. Gotcha. So that's the purpose of the book. I want I want people to understand that and try to take the basic – information, because it's a short book, it's not very long, um, but to learn from that and then apply it to their own careers that they want to have in show business. Hmm. All right, that's, that's pretty fair. And are you working
1: <laughs> on any projects right now?
0: Oh, I'm always narrating something. I just finished a book, of all things, about estrogen oh. for this, uh, I did, a, it's a book, he's an Israeli uh, OBGYN named Uzi Rice, it's for Macmillan Audiobooks um and he's talking about uh about estrogen and how women need to start using it for hormone therapy when they hit menopause and now i'm getting ready to do one on um uh for entrepreneurs about kicking their entrepreneur skills up to the next level after that i'm doing a book about bitcoin and then i'm doing a book about uh schizophrenia and then after that i th- oh i'm doing a book about the historicity of jesus as a as a historical figure Mm-hmm. And these are all from different publishers. So yeah. to me, the breadth of that is one of those wonderful things. I always, uh, I always joke with people that I'm really good at a cocktail party because I, can, I know a little bit about a whole <laughs> lot of things.
1: I was going to say, you're kind of all over
0: the yeah. place. Yeah, pretty much. And I enjoy that. That's what I like. I mean, I, I know nothing. I knew nothing about estrogen until I got the book and did my preparation on the piece. You know, mm-hmm. researched the author and the topic a bit before I started in, and so now I know a little bit about estrogen that I never knew, and that's <laughs> a cool thing, you know. And and so you know, and that's one of the to me doing nonfiction that makes it continually interesting. I'm always learning something new. I'm so much more well-read than I would be had I just been a theater actor. You know,
1: I gotcha, Yeah, it's cool.
0: I feel very, very lucky. Yeah, very lucky to have to have had that happen. Absolutely. <laughs> so, the, do you listen to audiobooks? Do you do you listen to audiobooks? Are you a big fan?
1: Uh, I actually have not listened to an audiobook in many, many movies. I'm
0: scandalized. I'm scandalized. <laughs> there's so much to listen to now. This is a huge industry. Well, you name a you name a topic. What do you like to listen to? What kind of what do you like to read?
1: Well, I know there's one book that I'm definitely going to go check out and we just talked about it cuz that actually sounds oh. uh very interesting to me
0: about the top estrogen? 10 differences. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, <estrogen. laughs> There you
0: go. No, yeah. So yeah, you, you can find that one on Audible, both of them, frankly. But, uh, you know, I mean, I always say, you know, they've done, they've done many studies now that, you know, listening to a book and reading it, cognitively speaking, are the same thing. Oh, you wow. You retain just as much information. Oh, yeah. There's a bit of snobbery. You know, I have friends who are like, oh, I'll never, I like to read. I'm like, that's fine. If you, if you have the time to read, but if, you know, if you're a person who's, You know, you've got kids, and you're driving to work every day, and you're stuck in the car, and you're tired of listening to people screaming at you on talk radio. (laughs) Why not learn about something that you're, you know, learn about something you're interested in? Yeah, exactly. Find out, whatever that niche is, it doesn't matter, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Just listen to the book, and trust me, you'll get hooked. You'll find your favorite narrators. You know, it's funny, we have, you do this long enough, you have people who follow you. Not stalking, but they they listen to you narrate. I have friends who do fiction, you know, and they have a huge following in their genre, whether it's murder mysteries or, uh, you know, sci-fi or fantasy or whatever. And in the world of nonfiction, we have a lot of people who listen to us as well. And I'm just, you know, I'm grateful for all those people who get stuck in traffic because they're my big, my biggest audience. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, if you're all caught up on the Leo effects, I say go for it. So. Yeah, there you go. That's, right,
0: yeah. Leo effects first. That's first. And then every every other day you can listen to me yeah. doing something.
1: That's so. all good. So um I guess in these last few moments here I kinda wanna close things out the way I normally do and um allow the open up the floor to you that you can tell people where to go and follow you if you have any websites or anything like that and of course I'll put the links to these things down in the description of the podcast so the listeners can find it that way too but it's always good to have the guests you know kind of vocalize it
0: sure if you want to hear me narrate something you can go to audible.com and look up Sean Pratt or my alter ego Lloyd James that's another name I narrate under and yes we uh, narrators narrate under different names sometimes, um, which is a whole different conversation we can talk about if you'd like. And yeah, then, Absolutely. Um, uh, but if you if you're interested in what you know what I do as a teacher, you can find me at seanprattpresents and then I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn as Sean Pratt Presents, and it's all really the same thing. It's all about you know me as a teacher, talking about what I do as a narrator and as a as a coach. And uh, you can follow my exploits there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've, if people say, well, you know, wh- what have you narrated? I said just about anything you can think of. Yeah. So if you, look me up by, if you look me up by name or Lloyd James, L-L-O-Y-D, James, and um, you'll see the kind of titles I have. And they range for everything from westerns to science fiction to, you know, all, all the different kinds of stripes of uh, nonfiction you can think of. So awesome. That's where you can find me online. Yeah,
1: that's perfect. I love it. So, Sean, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been amazing having you here. You've got a lot of cool stories, and it's it's <laughs> genuinely been very fun talking to you. I I was <laughs> well, kind of unsure right. how this was gonna go. I was like, oh man, this guy <laughs> he does audio books. Uh. <laughs> but you've been a pleasure well, to talk to. Oh,
0: well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah.
1: And thank you to all the listeners out there tuning in. I hope that you can see now, kind of as I did, that not all audio narrators are that droning Ben Stein voice. <laughs> they can there you go. They're real people, and they're Bueller. fun to talk to. Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So thank you all for coming out and checking us out again, and we will see you all next time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, creatures of all ages, what an amazing show. Thank you for lending an ear and joining us. I'm the host, Ray Rumsey, and if you want to hear more interviews, simply head to anywhere podcasts are heard, Facebook or Twitter, and search The Leo Effects, with an A, not an E. If you'd like to hear me doing silly voices and making a general fool of myself, head over to Shattered Dungeons on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We live stream every Tuesday night. More projects are in the works. For now, stay tuned for more interviews. To book yourself as a guest, you can head to theleoeffects.wixsite.com podcast or send me an email at theleoeffects gmail.com. Remember, this has been The Leo Effects, and great shows require great listeners just like you. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.